0: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.
1: Welcome to 3 Yards Per Caddy, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf,
0: and Simon. And welcome to Three Yards Per Carry. I am Simon Clancy. We are closing in on the start of the NFL season. I'm joined, as always, by my good friends and yours, Alfredo Artiaga, Alf, and uh, Chris Kaufman. How are you, gents?
1: Great. Great, Excellent. and, uh, and not, not under a mattress of foam this time
0: excellent no. that that sounded about as stilted as it could possibly be it's like we've never met each other before not that we've been friends for 20 years um i had uh spent the last 10 minutes writing out a little script i've just got in from the gym i'm sweating like the proverbial fat lass in lycra but i am um, i have a script here and i haven't checked the internet and so i was leading off with my top story and a little bit of news and i've just been informed literally seconds ago about the news regarding jonathan taylor um as is miami fans is want they uh apparently are up in arms about the Dolphins should be trading for Jonathan Taylor. Um, I mean, gents, where do we stand on this? I mean, when healthy he is the premier running back in the NFL, as far as I'm concerned, along with Nick Chubb, um, he is an elite running back, uh, and it feels like everything is broken down in India in Indianapolis. So will the Dolphins be making a move?
2: I'll go first. On, I'll go first on this. Can it happen? Yes. Um, What are the particulars? The particulars are that Barry Jackson says that Miami would be interested. So we have that. His agent is a Dolphin fan. And he seems, and it's been out there already on on Twitter, he's liking every single, and this is his agent. This is Jonathan Taylor's agent. Okay, so this has some weight. This is not, although he is a Dolphin fan, this is not just some fan out there. He is liking every single tweet that, has jonathan taylor connected to miami now if you're a dolphin apparently, fan
1: apparently apparently only those tweets, yes. though
2: yeah only, only the Dolphins. those yeah only the dolphin ones now i will say this if you're a dolphin fan can they do it yes absolutely they can do it i don't think it's going to cost something ridiculous the equivalent of a first round pick so think somewhere around two second rounders but you could probably move them down from there possibly because he's going to be really expensive but if you want Jonathan Taylor, get ready to sacrifice a pretty large piece next season. And I think Chris can speak a little bit on this. Basically you gotta lose an expensive player that's here today, tomorrow. Now
0: but, I mean course, Chris, is there an argument to say that if you want Jonathan Taylor, you can't have Christian Wilkins?
1: Uh I think well, yeah, actually there is an argument that to be said there. Um but one thing that the Dolphins do have that they won't have going forward that we have to keep in mind is Emmanuel Ogba sitting on the, um, on the roster char- for, for a uh, $16 million charge, um, and, and that won't happen in the future. So um, I think that that's, that's something to keep in mind. This is, this is where you start, I talk about all the time, this is why the Dolphins uh, restructure all their contracts and bring all that cap space from the future forward into the present year. And it's not because they plan on spending it. They actually they plan on rolling it forward. I think they have like $13.5 million in cap space right now, and they're just going to roll it forward uh, into next year um, to cancel out the uh, the sort of, the, so, to, so to speak, bar- borrowing that they have done. Um, but you do it for the optionality you do it because in case something falls in your lap, you do it in case of a situation like this, if this is the situation that they really want to go for. Um, so, you know, I think that that's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how much I, Barry Jackson actually, you know, said that they will probably make the phone call. They're not just interested. They're, they're going to make the phone call and see what the price is. And, and uh, keep tabs on it. And I think, you know, once you account for that, you account for his agent being a, a Dolphins fan, having clearly a relationship with Mike McDaniel. He talks about Mike McDaniel um, publicly a lot uh, and talks about talking to Mike McDaniel publicly. Um, and the fact that Jonathan Taylor, in addition to being really talented back and still only 24 years old, which, you know, Dalvin Cook was a lot older than that, uh, he is a fast, fast back, and that fits exactly with what Mike McDaniel wants in this mm-hmm. offense. So this becomes like a Christian McCaffrey situation, you know. Like we would normally say, "Hey, running backs, forget it, you know, this is that's yesteryear or not this." But then look at what San Francisco did with Christian. And so I think that uh, you do have to wonder if this is their Christian McCaffrey situation.
0: Yeah, I mean, for for people listening, what we're talking about is a 24-year-old running back, first team, all pro. Uh, In 2021, he led the NFL in rushing. In 2021, he led the NFL in touchdowns. In 2021, he obviously made the Pro Bowl. He was a two-time Dope Walker winner in college, two-time unanimous All-American and the Big Ten Freshman of the Year back when he first started uh, at Wisconsin. Uh, In the NFL, he is the only back, I think the only back in NFL history, um, a minimum of 750 attempts to have. uh, Nobody has a career rushing average higher than his, on a minimum of 750 rushing attempts is 5.1 yards per carry in his three seasons, obviously banged up last year, still had 861 yards rushing and 4.5 yards per carry. Just park that thought there about running backs, because we will come back to that point in a sec that Chris made about Christian McCaffrey, but I just want to spool back into the original news that I was going to start with, which was, if you haven't heard the news today, Tino Ellis was cut, the cornerback James Blackman is back, and there's a reason that James Blackman is back, and that is because Mike White is in concussion protocol. Now, a few things here, gents. The the First of all, obviously, the bad side of this is that Mike White has a concussion, and he was brought in to be the backup and potential saviour if the guy who has suffered multiple concussions in college, high school, and the NFL goes down again, uh, and now he has a concussion. So from a wins and losses point of view it's not ideal from an ethical duty of care point of view in many respects it's actually quite a good thing that mike white got a concussion on the dolphins because apparently it wasn't an easy spot it was just something that they noticed having been around a number of concussions last year with teddy bridgewater with Tua, obviously etc etc so there are kind of two sides of this story the third side of this story and if you can answer all three of these as, as one really is that Mike White's in a hell of a battle to win the number two quarterback job, concussion or not, because Skylar Thompson, I thought, played really well the other night um, against uh, the Texans. And we'll talk about that game in a moment. But lots of things going on at the number two quarterback battle, aren't there, with with the Dolphins?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'm known as the the Skylar hater on on the podcast, but he, he was absolutely fabulous in this game against the Texans. He was. Oddly enough, he got checked for a concussion during this game. And then uh, quickly returned after Mike White was pulled from the game. So uh, the team had some concussion issues at the quarterback spot. Thank God it wasn't with the the top guy. Uh, Skyler Thompson, they wanted him to win the job. And it looks like he's going to have a leg up going into week three of the preseason and going into the regular season because I don't see and I don't foresee – any circumstance where Mike White actually plays Whoa. against the Jaguars. Uh, he has a concussion right now. Why would you play him a week later in a preseason game? So going into the regular season, you got to think the Skyler Thompson's already QB two, and it'll be an ongoing battle uh, for the rest of the season. Uh, I have a novel idea. How about we never see either one start a game this year? <laughs> okay. How, how, how's that?
0: Sounds good to me. Chris? Okay.
1: That sounds great to me. Uh, I, I think this is really interesting because uh, of several things that happened in that game. One, the fact that the Dolphins didn't necessarily, or at least they didn't advertise that they caught it um, with Mike White during the game, certainly. Um, you know, it's it's in the eye of the beholder because as we've seen with Tua vailoa last year, when they took as much criticism as they did um, in the Green Bay game, you know, he played the entire game. And then it was only afterwards... You know, during the practice week that they put him in protocol and said, you know, hey, you're you're having some some after effects of the game that look like concussion. And and so apparently that is what has happened here with Mike White. And we know that they got criticized by the people that were inclined to already criticize Miami about what happened with Tua last year. They were continue to be criticized for that—that they let him play the the rest of the Green Bay game with a concussion. So, um, so you know, when did they when did the concussion happen for Mike White in this game? You know that that some people are still gonna are still gonna criticize them for that. The other thing is uh, is apparently uh, Skylar Thompson. How did Skylar Thompson get pulled from the game? Like, what was the process there? Was it these spotters? That, that, you know, noticed a, you know, quote, unquote, a, a taxi or something like that? Because if so, how did he end up going back into the game? You know, we, mm-hmm. we saw that last year with Teddy Bridgewater. When they when the spotters pulled Teddy Bridgewater, he wasn't allowed back in the game, you know. And so um so I think that that's that's another interesting, you know, things kind of going on behind the scenes. Have they modified that protocol a little bit? um You know what? What's going on there? But otherwise, the the thing that I take from it with Mike White is, listen, it it just seems like when this guy gets hit in the pocket, he gets murdered. You know, I I don't know if it I don't know if it you know, there's images of uh, hits that he took with the Jets that come to mind. But it just there's something about it. and It just seems like uh, he gets he gets really hit hard. And um, and there was a hit like that that he took almost right away when he came in place of Skyler Thompson in the preseason game, and so like you said, uh, Simon, you, at the at the top of it, uh, you're you're here to replace a guy that we're worried is going to get concussions or that we're worried is going to get hurt, um, and and yet you yourself are getting hurt within a few snaps of the preseason game. It's 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 kind of uh, it's kind of. N- you know, just just bad sign for him. Um, on the other hand, you know, like like Alf said, no rush to get him back into this game, the the preseason game. Even though uh, Skylar Thompson was allowed to de- deliver, um, you know, a, a nice counterpunch to the training camp by by outperforming him, I thought a second time outperforming him in the two preseason games, um, because this is going to go all year. This is going. All three guys are going to be on the roster. This is round two, or you know, Omar Kelly said round four. Um, This is round two of a fifteen-round match, and uh, and they're just going to keep battling it out during the regular season because all three guys are going to be on the on the roster come regular season.
0: You are listening to Three Yards per Carry. I'm Simon Clancy, along with Alfredo Artiaga, Chris Kaufman, here as always. The show is brought to you by Price Picks. You can use promo code 5FIVE to get a $100 match bonus on your $100 deposit. Also by Better Edge, Go to betteredge.com forward slash 5reasons to get $20 just for signing up. And by our friends at SKD Studios. Shop designer furniture, lighting, accessories and more online at skdstudios.com forward slash shop. We do more than 120,000 downloads per month so if you want a bit of that sponsorship action then you know how to get in touch with us you know where to find us on social media we are also at three yards per carrier now we have a couple of new friends joining us uh who have done just that can you tell us a bit more about our new sponsors to the show
2: yes simon have you ever had a liquor uh, delivered to your door in the uh
0: in the i've had it in the post yeah there's a very very this is gonna sound so middle class there's a for those (laughs) english people listening there is a very, very, very nice wine called Villanova Vino Verde, ah. which is available in a. It, there's like a cinema slash restaurant, a sort of, but it's not a. It's not a mainstream cinema. It's a cinema that shows sort of more art house films. Um, it's got a great restaurant in, it, and they serve it in there. And I had it, and I was like, absolutely, this wine is unbelievable. And so, th- yeah, I've had. So, cut a long story short. Yes, I have had wine delivered.
2: Yes, so... But I'm not an
0: alcoholic, everybody.
2: Oh, I am. So, if you have had liquor delivered to your door, and sometimes you've wanted a snack or some groceries, uh, you've used other other services. Well, we're offering another one here, okay? And they're a sponsor of the show. Go to gopuff.com and use promo code WELCOME1010 or 1010, WELCOME1010, and you get $10 off your first 10 orders. And we are also sponsored by factormeals.com you get gourmet meals delivered to your door use promo code three yards per carry five zero fifty or as as you already know you write the number three the number three yards per carry five zero and you get 50 percent off your first order
0: brilliant Thank you. And thank you to, to GoPuff and to Factor Meals and to anybody else who would like to join us. As I said, you know where to get in touch. Look, I mentioned Christian Wilkins and I also mentioned uh, the possibility that if you want Jonathan Taylor, you can't have Christian Wilkins. And when you boys were answering uh, that question, I tweeted that out. And the very first response was somebody who just wrote in capitals, hogwash. Which <laughs> <laughs> tells you the mentality of the Dolphins fans. Hogwash. Thanks for that, whoever that was. If that, now, if look- you're listening and you were the one that wrote hogwash, now, thank you.
2: I thank you. Now um, I want to ask, ask a question, though, of, of, of Chris, because I really don't know the answer to this. Can you sacrifice Xavier Howard next season?
1: Uh, I have to. I I I've looked at it in the past and the answer was yes. But also they've done some uh, they've done some work on contracts. This, um, this offseason, so it's tough to say, but um, I will say that he doesn't have any guaranteed salary in 2024, mm. which is a good start um, because that's really what gets you in trouble. Teams aren't, as I think everybody tends to think that teams are um, are uptight about the uh, the prorated bonus, um, the amount of bonus that hasn't been expensed against the salary cap yet. This is money that's already been paid. All right. So so teams aren't quite as uptight about that as you might think, because they have options. They can do the post June 1st cut. They can, you know, do whatever. Um, But they and there are several options for trade as well. Uh, It's the guaranteed salary that really gets you in trouble. You're not generally speaking, you're you're not going to pay a guy to go play for another team. Right. So um, so I think that that's uh, that's a good start in seeing that he has zero guaranteed salary. But, you know he does have uh, have quite a bit of um, bonus uh, proration to, to get through, um, you know, upwards of I don't know, like I'm seeing like 24 million dollars or something like that, uh, starting with next season. So you know there's there's something to be said there for um, that he can be he can be traded or that he can be um, he can be cut, but it's not going to be a significant savings. So that that but. You bring up an excellent point. That's one of the guys, right? That's mm-hmm. how long is Howard really old The 31 next year for as much as we talk about running backs practically dying at 28 years old, um, or at least that's what that's what everybody you know, kind of says. Uh, corners have a strong history, too, of falling off once they get to be 30, 31 years old. Um, So, you know, that's that's another one of those guys. And, you know, you mentioned Christian Wilkins. I have a hard time believing the Dolphins will sacrifice Christian Wilkins. Um, What I do wonder is, you know, looking at the Colts roster, they have like no wide receivers. You know, could they use Cedric Wilson for five million dollars? Could they use an Emmanuel Agba? Um, You know, could they you know, what what kind of what kind of Package. Could the Dolphins try and start packaging together, along with perhaps just a second-round pick, to try and entice them to to do a Jonathan Taylor trade? It, that that's really hard hard to say. But um, but Xavier Howard, I would say yes, he could be by next year. But um, but some people will look at the the bonus acceleration and and you know kind of shit all over it as they tend to do. <laughs>
0: I would be surprised if Jonathan Taylor ends up in Miami, I've got to say. Um, But, you know, take that for what it is. Look, let's rattle through some of these subjects because otherwise we will be here literally all night. Um, We talked about Christian Wilkins and I I mentioned Captain Hogwash there, but this hold-in that he's having, this, uh, you know, he's around the facility, he's taking part in everything, he's just not practicing, not playing in the games. At what point, Alf, does this become detrimental to the Miami Dolphins in terms of the actual season? We are one preseason game away, we are two and a bit weeks away. From the open, or two and a half weeks away from the opening game against the Chargers, at what point does the rubber meet the road with regards to Christian Wilkins? Because we do not want to go into that Chargers game facing Justin Herbert and that offense and Austin Eckler without uh, our force on the interior defensive line. Who's yeah. gonna, who's gonna, who's gonna choke first, as it were?
2: Yeah, it's uh, we have a definite deadline, in my opinion, and that's. Uh, this game or this week doesn't necessarily matter as far as getting a, a Wilkins deal done. But after that, you have a two-week period. Uh, if they follow what they did last season, they give the the guys that week off right after the last preseason game. And then they're in to work on that Tuesday of Charger week. Wilkins should have his contract in hand by that Tuesday of Charger week. If not, it's a clear failing on the front office, and on Chris Greer. And I think it's a terrible look. Okay, It's a terrible look for the franchise. It's a terrible look for the front office. It's a terrible look all around for the Miami Dolphins. This is the guy you drafted in the first round. He has produced. He has not had any bad moments as a Miami Dolphin. All he's done is work his way up and play actually even better every single year. Work his way up from, from some struggles early on to team captain and one of the best players on the team. This is a guy you square away. The league is watching. The rest of the league is watching. Free agents are watching. The guys that have contracts coming up in the next two, three years that you want to keep, the Jalen Waddles, the Javon Hollins, the Jalen Phillipses, all of those are going to be expensive contracts if they keep playing the way that they're playing. The Tua's, they're all watching. You want to take care of this guy you don't want it to get too deep. So, that's the deadline. Tuesday of Charger week, he has to have his contract in hand.
0: Chris, if the Dolphins trade for Jonathan Taylor and give him a big contract, at what point does Christian Wilkins say, "Fuck this. I'm I'm out of here." You know, if you're not going to pay somebody who's been here 4 years and and done all that I've done for the team and the community as a team captain, as a player, as a worker, there's got to be some sense in that as well, isn't there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is this is something that players do pay attention to. Think no, think no further than uh, than what happened when they traded for Byron Jones, and then the Dolphins had to tweak Xavier Howard's contract because he was like, you know, hey, what the hell is this, you know? And um, and I think that, that that is something that you have to pay attention to. Uh, I think that they could try and do both. What something that you have to keep in mind and and. Is two things. I would bring up two things about the Jonathan Taylor thing. Is for as much as we kind of, you know, have in the past on this podcast, we've we've all, I think, you know, shat on the idea of uh, of getting Dalvin Cook, um, and and whether the Dolphins are actually willing to pay Dalvin Cook, etc. Uh, something to keep in mind is before that draft, before we they drafted uh, Devon A- A- Chain, um they did make an offer for Dalvin Cook and trade. And and they, you know, that I I believe that is publicly confirmed. I believe that you know that's, um, they actually they actually had an offer on the table, which means that they were willing to pay Alvin Cook's uh, contract uh, this year of something like upwards of ten plus million dollars. Uh, that's a big number. That's a bigger number than what he ended up signing for uh, once he got released in June. Um, so the Dolphins showed some willingness there. The problem is that Dalvin, you know, wasn't available when they needed him to be available. They went ahead and and executed some other plans, and then they didn't have much money left, and you know, so on and so forth. But um, they were willing to. They had an offer on the table for uh, for Dalvin Cook. So so clearly something is there with this position. Um, and and so I think that uh, it, you know you look at that you look at the Christian McCaffrey factor um, and and then you look at the fact that hey if this isn't Miami's year what is now I, you could argue that this is more Miami's year to try and get that championship than next year. Right? It's, already next year. It's it might be not too late, but like not as not as as ripe as this year. Yeah, so, the window
0: the window sort of starts to, you know, it's kind of still just about opening. You could sense mm-hmm. that it might just be starting to close this time next yeah,
1: year. Potentially. This time next year, exactly.
0: Um, at what point do you think that Chris Greer looks at 207 yards rushing in a preseason game and thinks, you know what? We don't need Jonathan Taylor. You know, most Raheem looked good. A-chain looked good before the shoulder. And we'll get to that in a minute. Savan Ahmed had 99 yards rushing and, uh, and looked really good. Chris Brooks came in, had 40, 47 yards, 4.3 yards per carry. You know, we didn't even play Jeff Wilson. At what point do you just think, you know, we're they, they made that point clear with Dalvin Cook. They're very, very comfortable with the running back room.
2: Yeah, I think that they're looking at that and and they're probably patting themselves on the back like, hey, we brought back this entire running back group and we're just fine. But what do they have under contract for next season? I believe it's just Devon A-Chain, right? Um, yeah. Somebody correct me on that unless... Unless yeah, I think it's
0: so. I just always go back to the point that McDaniel has never really, you know, paid too much heed to to running backs, and the history is there. You go back and look at all his backs in terms of where they were drafted, and we we certainly made that point. I certainly made that point pre-draft um, on on only fins, um, and you go back through the Shanahan tree and look at the you know, go back to to Mike Anderson and Orlando Gary and Terrell Davis and all those players that Mike Shanahan signed and. Uh, And those sorts of things that the first round pick running backs really aren't, you know, anything that he's really ever been involved with. You know, you go back and look at Alfred Morris and and Carlos Hyde is pretty much the the highest, uh, as a second rounder, was the highest drafted player that that he's ever been involved with. So I do think there's something to that. What I think is interesting, Chris, and it it goes back to the point that you touched on earlier on with Christian McCaffrey, is that it's very clear, certainly in the first two games, uh, and the health of Devon A-Chain, uh, notwithstanding, that running backs out of the backfield, you know, which we have, all have very good hands. All apart from Jeff Wilson are extremely speedy, especially most at A-Chain and, um, uh, and Ahmed. There's a sense that that might be the the new little wrinkle in the offense, much as Christian McCaffrey provided San Francisco last year, that we see more, you know, Receiving out of the backfield by the backs, who are just too fast for safeties and and linebackers to, to keep up with.
1: I think that's uh, that's exactly right, and it, it's the the themes of speed, the themes of uh, pass catching. By the way, Alpha, I will uh, you know point out they do have actually have, believe it or not, according to uh, over the cap, um, they do have Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson in twenty twenty four. They're mm. they're under contract for both of those or for both this year and next year. So that that, that is a factor actually in, in whether they they decide to do this. But yeah, and pass catching is going to be a big thing. Uh, you know, go back to A A Chain. Uh, where did he really stand out so far in these two preseason games if you put them if you put them together? It was more as a pass catcher in my opinion than even as a runner. I, I think that he still has some still has to go as a runner and as a ball carrier. And and actually, you get a little nervous when only in the preseason he's only taken you know a, a handful of carries, and already he's he's a he's a small guy, right? So, uh, already getting a shoulder injury, you know, a contact injury, uh, and that that has to make you a little bit nervous. And he he did something, things as a pass catcher, and go back to some things that we've talked. About. Is this guy fast enough? Is this guy being looked? potential like could they try and convert Eric kill was converted every kill you know and um and so i think that uh it, it's possible that if if say you do get a jonathan taylor which i agree with simon Maine, you know the odds would be against right but um but if they do you know what do they do with A-Chain I think that he's more of a pass catcher and um and you start to look at him in some of the roles that some of the speedy wide receivers that we have uh, are able to play um and I think that that's uh that's thematic for this offense
0: um We spoke about A-Chain. Obviously, he was injured a little bit. Seems like he dodged a bit of a bullet with the shoulder problem. Good news as well for Robert Jones, um, who looks like he might be out three or four weeks, but nothing too serious. Eric Sorbet as well, probably out a little bit less, but probably maybe more than than Devon A-Chain. Not ideal that both of our first two picks uh, are kind of week to week with shoulder issues. Uh, Speaking of Jones, but also of the wider offensive line, I made a fantastic joke last week that went over both of your heads calling him Kendall Sheep. He wasn't a lamb, given the way that he performed. Um, he started at left tackle this week, obviously, Tron Armstead out, and he was not a lamb to the slaughter. Uh, another solid performance from from Kendall Lamb. And how would you overall assess certainly that first team offensive line with, with both Austin Jackson and, uh, and Kendall Lamb starting at the tackle positions? It seemed to get quite bright once we'd got the silliness of the first couple of snaps out of the way, the pick, and then the ridiculous false start snap over the head nonsense that backed us up at the one yard line.
2: Yeah. So, so what you're saying is that Kendall lamb was not lame.
0: He was definitely not lame.
2: Okay. Uh, that first team offensive line, I'm some, dying here. <laughs> some good. Some really, ugly emotion. Chris. Some really, really bad, uh, Connor Williams, I'm concerned, and I'm just, I'm concerned because I could see this happening in a really terrible spot. A snap over Tua Valua's head on your own goal line, it happened in this game. What if it happens in the fourth quarter of a hotly contested Buffalo Bills game? Like, that could be disastrous. So I'm a little concerned there. His play overall, besides the, the occasional errant snap, has been pretty good. Austin Jackson tends to lose, and we were talking about this on OnlyFans. Uh, when we were going back and forth on this, as Chris was posting video of Austin Jackson's day on on Saturday, Austin Jackson can have so many good moments, and then will completely lose his technique, and then get on skates because he forgets to he forgets to get in his stance. Like that's not normal for offensive lineman to just forget their technique, and. If he could just stay consistent, and I know that they drill on this every single day in practice, if he could just stay consistent, we might actually have something here, but it's like one every six snaps. You could count on it. You could set your watch to it. Austin Jackson's going to have a bad moment, and oddly enough, he had two bad moments on two very good moments for the Dolphins, the durham uh conversion and the, the Braxton Berrios reception down to the five-yard line, so... I would say a lot of good, some bad. And Isaiah Wynn, jury's still out, let's just say. But very happy with Robert Hunt. I, I, I could say that. And remember, help is on the way. Taron Armstead should be back. Maybe week one.
1: Well, I, I think you're looking for consistency. right? And um, and consistency is, is, for example, not what you saw from Isaiah Wynn. Who had last week a good game looked like uh, looked like a starter playing a preseason game, right? Um, this week, you know, much tougher game for him. Uh, consistency is not what you saw from Robert Jones, who had a fantastic last week. Last week against the Falcons, um, but then before he got injured this week, you know, was was definitely a lot more challenged. Uh, consistency. Uh, would you say that Austin Jackson is consistent? I, I'd say he's more or less consistently inconsistent. Um, I think that, uh, you know, it's still almost like you said, it's almost like clockwork uh, out of the nine pass protection snaps that he had. I think there were still three of them that were really questionable um, to let the ball go like under two seconds on one of them. So he got kind of bailed out there Two more of them. Austin Jackson himself basically ends up, you know, right into his lap right as he's releasing the ball. Uh, one of them, he gets knocked to the ground. I mean, it's uh, there's there's some issues there. Uh, the issues with. Consistency of his pro news. You know, oh. happens when he has agency of his own. Uh, on on what to do in certain situations, the angles uh, you know may not might not always present themselves the same way they do on tape or or whatever. Um, and then there's uh, there's issues with his core strength, and and so we're, we're going to see how that plays out. Um, but uh, you know, Isaiah Wynn, did he open that left guard position back up to Liam Eichenberg? Uh, you know, if he if he has a strong game next week, I I don't know the answer to that question. But Connor Williams, the two bad snaps, there were two of them. Um, really concerning I, I, I gotta agree with you Robert Hunt had a good game uh, is a guy that had a great week last week started to have what I felt was like a pretty good week this week as well uh, when he was playing at, um, at left tackle but the problem is that all the injuries that they were having at guard forced them to pl- put him I think like 26 snaps or something like that at left guard and that is not his spot that is absolutely not his. He was terrible. He was terrible at, at left guard. He was. He was. I, at some point, Simon, we were even common. like there was one snap where actually on, on review wasn't even as bad as it looked. But he, he got kind of blown up on a run play in the, on his first snap of the game. But um, but then did we ever call his name or or Kendall Lamb's name? You know, or at any point uh, during the during their their times at left tackle? No, we didn't. And and that that is. Kind of astounding, considering what Keon Smith was last year. So he was consistent week to week at left tackle, and then they threw him in at left guard. He was he was freaking terrible. So, um, but Ryan Hayes is another bright spot. He was consistent. I, I felt he showed this week the same thing that he did last week, and um, that's going to intrigue the Dolphins. And I'd almost I'd almost lock him up as the uh, for the fifty three man roster at this point.
0: Yeah, he's a smart Michigan man who looks like he might just be. Be here to stay. We are three yards per carry. Simon Clancy, Chris Kaufman, Alfredo Arteaga. As always, we have been with you for closing in on a decade, I reckon. Like I said earlier, 120,000 downloads a month. If you'd like a piece of that sponsorship accent, you know where to get in touch. We're going to have a quick break, Uh, have a drink, have a wee. Uh, We're going to come back, fix Chris's slightly odd internet, which makes him sound like a Dalek every now and again. Uh, We should be back very shortly.
1: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas?
2: Are you a South Florida property owner with an insurance claim? Are you dealing with water, mold, or fire damage to your home or business? Are you having trouble locating a five-star rated general contractor that is fully licensed, certified, and insured? If the answer is yes, then Water Cleanup of Florida is here for you 24 hours a day. With over 60 years of combined experience, Michael, Robert, Jorge, and their team is prepared to handle any size property damage disaster. That's 954-579-0356. Or visit their website at wcufl.com. You can follow them on Facebook and Instagram. And please check out their more than 80 five-star reviews on Google and Facebook. Water Cleanup of Florida. If you have the schmutz, they have the guts. I'm
1: Jalen Phillips, and you're
2: listening to 3 Yards Per Carry.
0: Welcome back to 3 Yards Per Carry. I'm Simon Clancy here with Chris and Alf, as always. I've written a bit of a script, okay, which I did when I got in from the gym. Um, and I can't read the next thing on it, which is really helpful. Oh, yes, I can. Okay, so uh, the first throw of the game, the first offensive play of the game, was an interception by Tua to Tonga Uh And I think we all get a little bit guilty sometimes of sort of overprotecting, and sometimes you just got to feel like you just got to hold your hands up and say that was just a mistake, that was just a bad throw. And you know, it was it was pretty clear. Chris and I were were talking together in in um, Only Fin. Chris, that Tyler Croft kind of ran the wrong route, uh, but it felt as though, even though it was obvious he was running the wrong route, Tua sort of threw it anyway, and it was a little bit like, I don't know quite where you've thrown that, because it was clear that Croft was never going to make it back to his landmark anyway. Um, but it's just one of those where he just kind of, you know, hasn't thrown a ball since Christmas Day. Hasn't been, or at least hasn't been in the game since Christmas Day. Sometimes you just got to hold your hands up and say, that was a mistake. But actually what he did was bounce back and had the 99-yard drive that sort of, well, slightly shorter, but then became slightly longer after the botch snap. But looked really impressive moving the ball down the field on that touchdown drive that was capped off by Raheem Mostert. So in the brief action that he got, pick aside, impressive performance.
1: I'll, I'll I'll just uh, I'll just say about that play, Simon. Um, you know uh, about the interception is uh, yeah. I think I think maybe maybe Croft should have sat um, a little bit more because it would have been even if it hadn't been intercepted. It looked like it was going it was fixing to be you know uh, behind the guy. But when you look at it from kind of a um, you know a, a more of a bird's eye view and you see the play, he actually ran plays like that Tua did and succeeded on them a lot last year. Um, it was very similar to some uh some other plays that he had and I think the difference was that the um the middle linebacker of the uh, the Texans, uh instead of getting uh getting fooled by um by you know some motion some running back motion uh to the opposite side he sat he sat like he knew what was coming and and then scraped over and and so he was right there for the ball and uh and it makes you think actually you know yeah, Croft might have might not have broken off his route the same way, but really what was happening was Tua just made a, a just a, a bad mistake there, you know. And um and he, he 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 was expecting the linebacker to have to have flowed with the uh with the running back and, and didn't didn't check it. You know, didn't check it before um, before he threw it and just just threw it straight to the guy. So um so that was, you know, don't we're we're not gonna we're not gonna give him a break on that one. I think he um he just made a bad mistake to start the game and it cost them.
2: Yeah, he he oh. he, he, he didn't account for for the numbers on 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 the defense there. Sometimes the that linebacker and it was Denzel Perriman, oddly enough from the from the U, uh, the middle linebacker on the play side usually comes down on that, so he has a window or he has a lane to get that pass on that waggle boot and he just didn't account for him. So he threw it right at him. Uh, that's something he'll drill on and he'll watch plenty of film on this. And I think that that's something that other teams are gonna, they might not commit as many n- numbers to, to pursuit next time and might just drop guys anytime that we call a boot play with with Tua. Kinda, it's, it seems to make sense, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Stay stay with me off because I- I just want to evolve this offensive conversation a little bit. I'm going to read out some names to you um, and then ask you a question. So if we go Savon Ahmed, Christopher Brooks, Raheem Mostert, Devon A-Chain, Braxton Berrios, Julian Hill, Cedric Wilson, Eric zukanma River Craycraft, Tyreek Hill, Durham Smythe, Chris Coleman. Okay. They were the non-quarterbacks uh who had offensive touches either as running backs or as receivers in the game against Houston at the weekend. So 14 players gained yards, non-quarterback players gained yards from the line of scrimmage, but Brooks and A-Chain, uh, Brooks and Ahmed both had runs and catches. So 12 different players touched the ball in that game on Saturday night, but there's one name missing.
2: Oh, Robbie Chosen, obviously, right?
0: Robbie Chosen.
2: And um and I understand, yeah, that ball that got thrown to him by Skylar Thompson was a little too tall. Uh, he got both hands on it. You're a 6'3 wide receiver. Make that catch. And if you make that catch and he breaks one tackle, who knows? Maybe he goes the distance on that play. Um, I, I'm not going to make excuses for him. Some were making excuses for him on, on Twitter that, uh, you know, that ball's too tall and he didn't get many opportunities. Well, I, th- I think he got that one opportunity. He should have cashed in on it. Um, he has really good chemistry. I, I got to say he has really good chemistry with Tua Valoa. In practice, it didn't translate in this game, and he did get some routes run. So
0: Cedric Wilson had two catches, three targets, including the deep ball mm-hmm. that they almost connected with to, with Skylar Thompson. And he has a big uh, wage packet in terms of you know what what would be left hanging over if he was cut. Do you get the sense that it's either or between Anderson and? Uh, Wilson, because it kind of feels like Berrios has made the team. Okay, Ezzy made the team. Hill, obviously, has made the team. Waddle, obviously, made the team. Um, and then you're looking at, you know, Craycraft, Wilson, Anderson. Where do we sit on the the Robbie Chosen situation? I keep calling him Anderson. I I just find it. I find it hard to call him Robbie Chosen because that just sounds like he's some sort of children's cartoon character. But what do we? Where where do we sit on him making the team? Where do we sit on his position? as a Miami Dolphin moving forwards.
2: I think it's Robbie Chosen or River Craycraft at this point. One of those guys will make it and the other will be cut. Uh, I think that's the way they'll see it. I will say this, who who will get poached if cut? River Craycraft or Robbie Chosen? My guess is that Robbie Chosen will be on a, on a roster immediately uh, upon being cut, and River Craycraft is a guy that you could bring back onto the practice squad if you wanted to uh the braylon sanders things i, I think is uh is more long term so yeah that's a guy that i don't if i had to guess i'm saying we're not going to see him this year so that makes it a little easier but yeah i believe it's those two guys it's it's between those two guys and you know i'm, I'm not i'm not saying this with great confidence but uh, i'll say that craycraft gets cut for that reason that reason alone like they'll lose i think I'm pretty certain, in fact, they'll lose Robbie Chosen if they cut him. He'll be on another yeah. roster.
0: Um, uh, People, just to go back to Jonathan Taylor, uh, Ian Kenyon, who writes for the 33rd team, formerly of Bleacher Report, guy that Chris and Alf and I know, he's just tweeted something very... Uh, very apposite. Uh, he tweeted, nobody spent a first round pick on Jonathan Taylor in 2020 when he came out as the most prolific running back producer in NCAA history and a 99th percentile athlete. I think that's a very interesting and fair point and the, uh, the Taylor situation will obviously rumble on as we go. Although interestingly, apart from hogwash guy, 99.9% of the probably 50 people that have replied to me have all said they'd rather have Wilkinson Taylor, which I think is quite interesting given the absolute fanny fit that happened when Dalvin Cook ended up not coming to the Miami Dolphins. Chris, let's have a little word about Vic Fangio and the defense because the alignments and the just the way they played over on it. C.J. Stroud looked really good, but the way they shut down Damian Pierce, just the general way in which the defense lined up and looked like everything was covered. David Long looked really good. It, it, it felt like this defense is really beginning to click.
1: You know what it felt like is it felt like this is and though this was the second preseason game, this was your classic uh, back when preseason was four games. This was your classic third preseason game yeah. where you do the, the real dress rehearsal. And this was on in particular on defense, it felt like that. Um, there were there were situations where they certainly uh, came out with specific defensive fronts um for you know based on the situation uh based on what was out there um things that you know you it's hey listen we're not we're not revealing I don't think they were revealing any um any big secrets out there but they certainly called a game like they would in the regular season defensively they also came out you also started to see a real pecking order in the um in the the backups in the backup units, you know who's backing up who. Uh, you're you're starting to see Duke Riley and uh, Andrew Van Ginkle as the the primary backups at inside our inside line or off ball linebacker behind Jerome Baker and David Long. Uh, you're starting to see that it's Emmanuel Ogba and Malik Reed behind uh, behind Jalen Phillips and uh, Bradley Chubb. Um, You're seeing that uh, Deshaun Hand is playing a a very big role, uh, especially while Christian Wilkins is out, that uh, that Brandon Peely is indeed, you know, the guy behind Raquan Davis. Uh, You're starting to see a real pecking order coming, coming, coming about and um, and a lot of uh, specialization in what kind of play calls that they're putting out there. And they made good on it, I felt. You know, like the the players, the players showed their communication. Uh, there was a lot of good linebacker communication. There was a lot of good secondary communication. Uh, it, it's clear that this guy has installed his defense very well. Um, he's done it so many times in his career that uh, that it's 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 definitely being uh, installed well. And and at this point, you know, we're getting we're almost at that feeling that it's like. Are we more confident now in this defense, which was so trash last year for most of the year? Are we more confident in the defense now than we are even in the offense? Um, and we're that's that's a legitimate question that a lot of that a lot of people are asking. Uh, and and I think that this game kind of showed that it's a that it is a legitimate question. It deserves to be asked um, because the defense certainly is 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 rounding into shape.
2: Yeah, I, com- the- I completely agree on that as far as like you know, being more confident in the defense because I look at the offense, and I kind of know where the weaknesses are. It's on the offensive line and maybe the commitment to running the football, but on the defense, I can't spot the weakness. If they're completely healthy, and I know that's asking too much in an NFL season, if they're completely healthy, I don't see the weakness. Where is the weakness?
0: Yeah. The athletic ability and downhill trigger of both Jerome Baker, but especially David Long, could be hugely intriguing for for what Vic Fangio wants to do, couldn't it? Especially, you know, it, it, against the run because the Dolphins looked extremely hard to run on um, at the weekend. Especially considering that Houston have a very good offensive line and a really good running back in Damien Pierce.
2: Absolutely, and you know, I had my my I had my concerns before I started seeing them actually implement it. But you know, those light boxes, I was thinking, you know what, they might have to sacrifice something to have one of the better. Past defenses in the NFL—they're uh, not sacrificing anything. Uh, these guys just cover too much ground. It's—you um, know—I didn't account for the speed that David Long and Jerome Baker bring about at the linebacking position. I, I guess you could start to see some cracks in that if they take an injury at the linebacker spot. But as of right now, they're just—you they, they, know—they're just so well coached. And back to the communication: Ronaldo Hill and Sam Madison deserve a lot of credit. Because th- that was smooth. That was really, really smooth operation between Xavier Howard and Kater Kohu. And then you saw with Kater Kohu and Noah Bonagani just looking at each other, one s- one simple signal. They're lined up and they have the right guy. And 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 those are not easy coverages to pick up. Those that's a lot of match zone, a lot of match man. It's you know you gotta you gotta know if uh, and they're running a lot of switch releases too. So. This was not simple stuff they were executing, and they were executing it in the second preseason game, so that bodes well for the regular season.
0: Yeah, injuries, Chris, on the back end are becoming an issue, aren't they? They don't seem, you know, it's not a lot of big injuries, but all of a sudden the, the, there's some niggly kind of things that are just beginning to sort of stack up a little bit, aren't they?
1: Yeah, and I think that you, you look at the fact that they worked out Bryce Callahan, who's whose uh, eight-year career has been spent entirely in Vic Fangio's defense almost entirely as a slot corner um, and you know while they haven't signed him they're clearly they're clearly starting to get edgy about it they've lost Jalen Ramsey who can play the slot we don't know if he was going to or not but you know he can't he certainly can um, and they lost uh, they lost Nick Needham well they haven't lost him but I mean he hasn't come back yet Nick Needham. So that's those are uh, two of their slot options that aren't there. Cater Kohu is their their top slot option right now, and I think he's he's a going to be a great player. But um, but you know even he got a little bit banged up at one point. And, uh, and camp, and it's almost like a wake-up call. Like, hey, what, what, what do we have behind this, you know, considering Jalen Ramsey is gonna, is not going to play till November, December, and Nick Needham, we just don't even know at this point. Um, so, you know, that's where they work out Bryce Callahan. The guy behind him, Bryce Thompson, uh, in the slot, actually has played really well, um, you know, in the preseason. And I think that's, that's what's holding them off from having actually signed Callahan. Uh, so, so it'll be interesting to see how that shape up, but you know, here we go again, we, we do have, we do have secondary injuries and, um, and it's, you know, it, hopefully it doesn't take its toll through the whole year, but getting back to the linebackers just real quick, this is probably a little bit overly reductive, but, um, you know, you think of what Jerome Baker's speed does for this defense, uh, and you look no further than that. Nico Collins kind of like, uh, flip toss, um to the to the left side of the field from the backfield we came into the backfield in motion then circled around and and took a little um little toss or screen out there uh jerome baker's Speed gives him that lateral range to cap off a play like that at just like eight yards. If he didn't get it, then then the guy is at least fifteen yards, um, maybe even a seventy-eight yard touchdown, depending on whether he could have broken a Deshaun Elliott tackle or not. Um, and I think that if you think of Jerome Baker's speed as sort of the the value that this defense, that this linebacker. Uh, crew has laterally, you know, in capping plays. And then you think of David Long's aggressiveness in... The, as being a more vertical element and and creating tackles for loss and forcing forcing um, indecision uh, in, in the backfield from the running backs, I think that they have they have those two things you know going for them. They kind of have the lateral and they have the vertical uh, elements in those linebackers, and it, it, it makes for a really promising. Like I can't wait to see it happen. You know, this year you can't that, that
0: play and, from to... David Long that we saw when he knifed into the backfield was essentially a. Well, looked like a run fit from nickel against 12 personnel, traditional kind of um sort of over alignment up front. Long was the mic, so obviously to the close side of the formation. But in you know, he should not have been in the backfield <laughs> against this blocking, but he just that's just the that's just the player he is, isn't he? He's just He's just such a he, – he's one step ahead. He was the same at Tennessee, and hopefully he's going to do the same in Miami. And really, if he just – if he stays healthy, this guy is a pro bowl. This is a pro bowl talent. But Alf, there were some very interesting, and we're seeing some more now. Uh, we obviously haven't seen haven't seen it all yet in terms of what Vic Fangio is is going to bring out. But, you know, we saw fire zone, you know, uh, coverages and creepers, that, you know, Luana Rumo. Sort of stuff that we saw last year, set in the playoffs against against um, Josh Allen. We saw um, you know all sorts of kind of really interesting qu- uh, quads alignments. I think in um, in coverage, we saw the forty fronts down at the goal line with sort of four defensive lines in five techniques, or tighter with with two edges and a Mike linebacker, which was essentially the front that that won the Patriots Super Bowl fifty three. So lots of kind of things that you're just beginning to see being rolled out. I saw on the um I saw from the the all twenty two of the David Long tackle in the backfield, Deshaun Elliott was essentially playing the Brandon Jones role and he was um he was blitzing from the from the uh, it would have been the free side rather than the strong side because of the reverse so blitzing from the free side and was making significant Uh, yards into the backfield and and probably would have made a tackle for a loss if if long hadn't got there. So all sorts of kind of things going on in terms of, you know, what Vic's doing. And we kind of, we almost forget that, you know, we, we, we suspect where Daniel's been in the, in, in the, um, you know, locked away in a, in the cellar working on some plays, but you know, Vic's still got the bag of tricks, hasn't he?
2: Oh, absolutely. And he may not be blitz happy, but he does like to bring five. It's a staple of his defense and, one thing I love about, about this Vic Fangio system, uh, they don't declare anything pre-snap. Uh, it's quarterbacking 101, and when you see a guy like C.J. Stroud, I would have expected it almost. Uh, and that's when, whenever you show single high, you, you know, it's quarterbacking 101 to throw the fieldside fade, right? And there was no opportunity like that. C.J. Stroud did not have a single, and I've seen the game again. Uh, At least every single, for the defense, I watched every single C.J. Stroud snap. I don't care about Davis Mills. (laughs) Okay. So I I watched every single C.J. Stroud snap, and there was nothing easy for him to identify pre-snap. It all looked the same. It all looked like two deep shell. And, you know, he had to do more work post-snap than I think he was planning on doing. Because sometimes quarterbacking can be really easy when the defense is consistently declaring itself. This defense is, is it's tricky. It's tricky. And they what makes it really tricky is that you watch it pre-snap and it looks really simple. It looks the same over and over and over again. And then you watch their assignments, whether, you know, it doesn't matter on the formation, but you watch their assignments after the ball is snapped and it does look different. You have to actually watch the play to know what they were in. So, yeah, very, very, very nice debut for, for Vic Fangio. And, again, got to give the flowers to Ronaldo Hill and, and Sam Madison. They're running the personnel out there, and they're relaying the calls. Vic Fangio, you know, is just playing. is, is just up there in, in the box having a good old time as they actually run his defense on the field. Uh, so, yeah, great just, debut. Not a bad moment in this game.
1: Point, I just point something out, though, real quick um, in the preseason. And I know that we don't show – a lot of the hand in the preseason and and Alf even mentioned it. he may not be a blitzer um Vic Fangio may not be a, a, a blitzer in um in this scheme uh but you know that's that's something that we have seen actually the if if you look at last year you know what percentage of our our pass rushers like if you count up all the pass all the pass rush snaps whether defensive line edge player whatever um you know, there uh, about nine percent of them uh, of those pass rushers, uh, pass rush snaps were either linebackers or corners or safeties, um, or we're talking like off-ball linebackers, not like edge players. Um, you know, that's so far in this preseason we're seeing less than half that, less than half that uh, from Vic Fangio's defense in these two preseason games, and we're we've seen I think maybe Jerome Baker. Uh, Maybe have two, two, uh, two blitzing snaps or something like that. Um, you know we've seen uh, David Long not have any, I believe. Um, you know we've seen uh, we've seen basically we well, we just haven't seen a lot of non um non-defensive front players rushing the passer and uh, and I think that that's something I think that's significant. I think that's going forward. We're gonna see that that same thing in the year. and it really is going to be up to those defensive front players, the the guys up front: Christian Wilkins, Zach Sealer, you know, um, uh, Raquan Davis, Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb, uh, Malik Reed and Emmanuel Agba and uh, Andrew Van Genkel when he does play on the outside, uh, it's going to be, they're going to be free reign pass rushers. They're going to be able to set up their blockers. And have um, and have the ability to you know kind of have the agency to decide how they want to do those things, so that they can set up guys and then hit them with something special in the third or fourth quarter. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see it because it's going to be a pass rushers game. You know, they're not going to be overcoached, coached, over schemed, and told that they have to do this specific thing. Because of this blitz, because this blitz is designed a certain way and it's designed to pop free a certain guy. Um, I think that that's uh, that's something that we're going to look at and we're going to see. We're going to see the true potential of some of these defensive front players uh, that we've collected, that Chris Greer has helped the team collect with Jalen Phillips and Christian Wilkins and and so on, Bradley Chubb, Emmanuel Agua, so on and so forth. We're going to see the true potential of those guys in a way that we didn't really see them before. Before we
0: get out of here, the Dolphins have a game on Saturday night against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, can you both just give me one name that needs a big performance to make the 53 in this final game? We suspect that the starters probably won't play, but there's an awful lot of players at every position, really, in the battle to make this team. Alf, give me one name, one player that you think needs a big game on Saturday night to make this team.
2: Yeah, well, I will say this. As far as the the starters playing, Mike McDaniel already alluded to he doesn't like the idea of having his guys sit around for three weeks without playing a game. Remember, there's two weeks after this Jaguar game. So I would think that you know the first-teamers probably get two series just to stay a little sharp going into that two-week break. If there's one guy that needs this, this game coming up to make the 53, it's such a good question because I think they have so much already uh, squared away i would say you know what it has to be in the secondary they they made an ex- they have an, ex- an expenditure there at with kedron smith but i don't think that it's so big that they might not try to cut him and bring him back so he's gonna try to just he's gonna have to try to justify being rostered uh on the 53 and i suspect he's gonna play the balance of this game if not Almost the entire game once the starters sit down. So I say Keedron Smith is the guy to watch because he has so much competition. If you look at that safety group, it is deep and deep in competition past the top two guys. So Keedron Smith will be my one guy.
0: Chris, you got a name for me?
2: Well, there's 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 several, but um, how about a guy that's that's
1: fighting, still fighting for his, his starting spot, and may have may have more of an opening than... We probably would have thought four days ago, right? And that's Liam Eikenberg for the left guard spot. Isaiah Wynn didn't go out there and have a strong game. You know, we, we felt like they're gonna they're gonna <laughs> start Isaiah Wynn or they want to start Isaiah Wynn. Uh, you know, judging from body language. But he didn't have a good game uh, against, the, um, against the Texans. And now you wonder, I mean, Mike McDaniel said that they're going to be patient with this and they're going to let this sort of the, the locker room, uh, you know, the general feel kind of speak for itself. Uh, he's, he's itching to go. They held him out of this game because of a, a small problem. And Mike McDaniels pointed it out. He's like, he's raring to go here. Uh, what about him? You know, he's, he's, got, he's got a lot on the line here. Um, so I, I I would actually say him. I don't think he's not. It's not that he's not going to make the team. I just think it's really important for him this week. Thanks, boys.
0: Thanks to all of you for listening, both live on uh, OnlyFans, but also obviously on the podcast. As always, we do really appreciate you. Um, even though Chris will say that he hates you, he doesn't. He loves you. We all love you. Thank you to our sponsors, BetterEdge. Uh, go to betteredge.com forward slash five reasons to get $20 just for signing off. Price Picks Use promo code 5FIVE. F-I-V-E, get $100 match bonus on your $100 deposit. By SKD Studios, shop designer furniture, lighting, accessories, and more. At skdstudios.com forward slash shop and then our two new sponsors gopuff.com and factormeals.com we'll be back we will be back next week put my teeth in we'll be back next week to break down uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars game uh the following week we will do our 53 man predictions and then the week after that we shall have regular season Miami Dolphins football uh on the road against Justin Herbert and the loss. Angelis charges. We shall see you next week, and if not, we shall see you on three on um, both on three yards per carry on Twitter, and also on OnlyFins. And on Twitter is where you can find out exactly how to sign up for OnlyFins for the monstrous sum of three dollars per month, where you get all sorts of action. Uh, a lot of which is brought to you by Alf, who seems to have sacrificed his entire life uh, to bring all sorts of uh, fantastic things to the patrons. There. Thanks for listening. As always, we'll see you next week.
1: Thanks for listening to 3 Yards Per Caddy You can subscribe via iTunes on Podbean or your usual podcast provider